Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The Art of Charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and exceptional individuals to teach you how to be a top performer in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise and packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a curriculum. We may not have all the answers, but we definitely have all the questions. Make sure to stay up to date with The Art of Charm and get some great stuff that we don't or can't share on the show by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. That's where you'll get our fundamentals toolkit. We cover topics like body language, nonverbal communication, dating, attraction, persuasion, business networking, public speaking, negotiation, and a whole lot more. And we've got our live programs running every week here in Los Angeles, California. Got guys from all over the world, which shows that no matter where you are, you can make it here if you want to learn and grow. Australia, the UK, China, Denmark, for God's sake. Guys from all over the U.S. and Canada. We're sold out a few months in advance, so if you're thinking about it even a little, get in touch ASAP by phone or just email me, jordan at theyardofcharm.com. Get some info from us now so you can plan ahead. Looking forward to meeting you here at AOC. Today we're talking with Matt Moore, author of A Southern Gentleman's Kitchen. We're going to talk about becoming a better version of yourself through cooking, personally, in relationships, friendships, and in business by sharing food with others and by the process of cooking a meal, which is kind of surprising and not really in my personal wheelhouse. So let's hear it from Matt Moore. Tell us what you do in one sentence, because I assume you're not just a cook, because if you are... This is going to be a short episode of the show. <laughs> no, I am a um, I'm a Nashville, Tennessee based author, cook, entrepreneur. Uh, as I said earlier, recovering musician, and probably most importantly, a Southern gentleman. If you live in Tennessee, you have to be a musician. Is that true? I feel like you that's know, true. If you go out to a restaurant and you're sitting around, and if you were to pose a question like, "Hey, who in here is a musician?" You'd probably find like 95 percent of the people would raise their hand. In Nashville. In Nashville, so, yeah. yeah. In Nashville. I don't mean in Tennessee. I meant in Nashville. Yeah. I, everybody I know who moved to Nashville, even the tech guys who are like, it's the next Austin, they're they're living there and they love it there, but they're also like, and I picked up the guitar. And I'm like, duh, of course you did. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. It's like not even original here anymore. Um, and you guys are based in California, right? We are. So I would say that the probably like the largest migration that's occurring right now is people from Los Angeles deciding that like Nashville, Tennessee is the coolest place for them to live. So uh, lots of folks are coming here. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy to hear it. Less traffic. Yeah, less traffic. Hopefully it's the I can imagine the people that moved to Nashville, though, are, are the people that you'd want to stay neighbors with in L.A. Um, and they're leaving because there's too many other turds in L.A. Yeah, thus far, I've met some really cool people, so yeah. uh, I won't say anything negative about those LAers. So actor, singer, photographer in L.A. is now going to be singer, musician, cook in Nashville. 
You know, it's crazy to be honest with you, though. There's a ton of film development here in Nashville. And I'm not just speaking about like the drama soap opera Nashville on ABC, but uh, more and more folks within that industry are really finding kind of a niche here um, that they may have not found out in LA. And I'm talking some pretty big names too. So it's pretty interesting to see what's transpiring. Um, they've always called it the the LA of the South. Uh, now we're just importing everybody from the West coast here. Gotcha. Well, I, I, you know, keep importing, please. (laughs) As many as you can handle as you want. Yeah, exactly. And you yourself are a man, a man about television, right? You're on the today show, Fox, but any, basically if, in better homes and gardens, if it's on in the corner of a Chinese restaurant and it's in English, you've been on that program, right? <laughs> a cooking channel. Uh, yeah, I, I feel super fortunate, you know, um, today and, and all the great shows like that, Fox News. I think one of my more favorite ones that I just did on this most recent book tour was uh, VH1, uh, the, the Big Morning Buzz with Nick Lachey. And um, like, it's really a, a kick-ass TV show, honestly, and a morning show. And when I was cooking, I was really hoping he was going to ask the question like during a cooking cooking segment, like, all right, you know, like what temperature are we cooking this at? And I was very sarcastically planning on saying like right at or around 98 degrees. Right. Uh, but we never got there. But yeah, really, really fun show. So, um, you know, I love to cook on live TV. It's always a great opportunity to kind of showcase what I'm doing and uh, hopefully get it out there to a larger audience. I wonder how many times he's heard that joke. Um, you know, he, like you, Jordan needs some help in the kitchen. So specifically, I think they booked me to kind of rib him a little bit and, uh, help him out. And he ended up doing a pretty good job. And that's kind of the challenge for today is to maybe create a call to action for you to, uh, go cook. Cause it's only, uh, you're two hours behind me in California. So you can still go out and source some ingredients and make a nice dinner. I won't even need to, I got blue apron. Oh man. You know about well, Blue Apron? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. I think it's a positive. Jason, we got to throw a Blue Apron spot in here, even if there's not supposed to be one, because we just, we primed it. I think we just did. Nice. Yeah. Good advertising. Yeah. Tell us what you're going to teach us tonight, because honestly, teaching cooking on the radio, you got your work cut out for you. So it's going to be not that. Oh, I mean, were you guys expecting like a Rachel Ray or a no. Guy Fieri? Oh, hell no, no. Oh, Guy Fieri, oh. you know, if Ed Hardy designed a person, it would be Guy Fieri. <laughs> well, I, I can't. That's actually probably the most perfect description of that gentleman uh, that I've ever heard. And, you know, I'm a Southern guy, so I called him a gentleman. Um, no, that's not what we're going to talk about. In fact, you know, I want to convince your listeners that they can become better versions of themselves, both personally in relationships and friendships and in business in a strange manner by actually cooking and sharing food with others. Good. Because honestly, the Rachel Ray thing has me a little is reeling uh, <laughs> side note. Now that we're going to spend too much time on it, it's at the barbershop and Rachel Ray was on and all these like oh, middle-aged Hispanic dudes are watching <laughs> Rachel Ray while they're cutting hair and we're drinking beer, which I thought was really funny. Um, not that it's a woman's show or anything. It was just kind of a, out of all the things on television, the last thing I expected to be on there, but she was cooking something and it was like corn noodles and some other kind of grain. I can't rice maybe. And she's like, this is a really healthy vegetarian meal. And I remember thinking that's not healthy at all. It's 100% carbs along with some corn, which is like some of the worst kind of carbs you can get. And there was no protein in it, nothing. And it just kind of reminded me that Americans don't know squat about nutrition uh, at all. And 
you know, whether or not you can cook or come up with a recipe, you need to know why this stuff is important. And I think just knowing, having a cultural shift towards being more aware of this, spoken like a guy who never cooks anything, right, is important. <laughs> and and it goes along with entertaining as well. I mean, this isn't just something, well, for, first of all, you, even the show prep, the first bullet point is why aren't you cooking? And the reason is because I'm lazy. <laughs> Uh, 100%. I think we are totally guilty of being, uh, creatures of convenience. And, you know, I know for a lot of your listeners, um, you know, more and more folks, uh, tend to associate success with having less time and the whole outsource mentality comes about and cooking is usually one of those that's like, you know what, I, I don't have time for 30 minutes or an hour to make a meal. So I'm going to outsource that. Uh, and we'll talk about some of the health reasons why I think that's not a great thing. But more importantly, I think you brought up a really good point. I mean, you're sitting in a barbershop, probably one of those hipster barbershops in L.A., probably like in Silver Lake, maybe. No, I in was Silver in Lake? San Jose, California, okay. totally unhipster. Right. Like everyone okay. there is has got tats and they're not skinny dudes who got tats to look tough. These are gotcha. guys who had tats because that was what they're previous vocation required, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. So I underestimated you there. But I think what's interesting is you brought up like the entertainment side of cooking. I think, you know, Food Network and all the different things that have transpired and the whole celebrity side of cooking, uh, even those that do not cook. I've got a dear, dear friend of mine. He's very successful here in Nashville, Tennessee, and he almost prides himself that he's actually never cooked a meal. Yet when he goes out to the finest restaurants, he can critique a chef's work like he's on top chef uh, because he watches it all the time, yet he doesn't know how to boil water. So I, I think there's a problem to a certain extent that we're, we're so intrigued uh, and more fascinated by the celebrity side, but we actually don't know how to put a lot of that knowledge or a lot of that entertainment into action. And uh, I, hopefully after today, more and more folks will actually start to put that into action. Well, for me, I'm I'm with you on the outsource mindset. It's not like, oh, I don't know how to boil water. It's like, look, I know how to cut my own lawn, too. I just don't do it. <laughs> you know, so I view it as a chore, not as something that's fun. And you you mentioned the entertainment. You mentioned more people should do it. Why is it important? For me, I believe that, especially on the man side, we can become better men by spending more time cooking and sharing food. Um, the first thing is just a self-sufficiency. You know, I think we all pride ourselves on um, growing our careers and, and building strong families. And uh, you mentioned earlier about health and all these other different pieces. To me, I think nothing is more weak than a man that can't feed himself. Um, if I'm always relying on someone else to prepare my meals, um, it seems a little counterintuitive to being the best that you might be able to be. And that's not some, you know, like, go out and, and cook some frozen processed meal or go down to the restaurant and be able to outsource that piece. But I think there's a bit of a, a well-rounded gentleman that is made up by actually cooking for oneself. So it does fall to a certain extent onto that self-sufficiency prophecy. I can agree with that. I can get behind that for sure. I think it's, I think cooking is fun when I want to do it. Does that make sense? But it's not like, I don't want to do it because I have to survive. I want to do it because it's fun. <laughs> You know, I'll cook when other people are cooking and doing this with me and it's a, it's a thing, but I don't want to have to do it because I'm hungry, as weird as that sounds. 
You know, um, obviously me being born and raised in the South, um, I think it's so funny when I go out with my guy friends who are like the most manly Southern drawl accent gentlemen, and they go out and they deer hunt and they will field dress a deer. They will butcher it to all ends and they'll cook a backstrap absolutely perfectly at the hunting camp. But the idea of them cooking a meal for their, their family to them seems so not manly. And I'm like, dude, you're doing like the most manly thing ever. And you're actually cooking, believe it or not, you're actually doing it from like nose to tail, this whole organic farm, know where your food comes from. But yet you come home and you kind of differentiate between the hunting camp and your own home. Um, and that probably, probably is not something for you guys out in California. But for me, <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's really something that there's like a, a, a gap. There's a disparity where, where guys kind of draw the line of what is cool and what is not. And, and you say it perfectly. You get a lot of enjoyment when you want to. Yeah. Um, but what, what are some reasons why you're not cooking? I think that's like the bigger question. I'd rather lay down. <laughs> or check my email or pretty much anything else other than doing it because I'm, if I'm hungry, I just want food. I don't want to have to make it. Um, and I look at that as kind of like a modern convenience of life. You know, like I said, I know how to cut my own lawn. I don't do it. Other people do it because I look at it as a chore and I see what you mean about, you know, this is a primal skill set. but I mean, did you build your own house? I didn't, you know, I would die I mean, out. That in the might cold. be a drastic comparison, right? It might not be because food, water and shelter are the three things that we literally need to survive. Um, and I can't do most of those things by myself, right? I can find water. I, I did the boy scout thing. I can make a lean to, it's going to work fine in California. Maybe not so much in Michigan in winter time, but so I, I kind of, I get the argument. I just don't really necessarily buy into it because for me, I just don't see it as it, it would be something I would need to find interesting or fun. And I think a lot of guys don't find it that way. So they go and they buy food. And I, I understand the health implications are probably more, more impactful than just like some philosophical argument about why we should be able to do it. You know, um, I think what I can share in my own personal experience is this. Starting out as a young guy after graduating from the University of Georgia, you're trying to find your way and, and you're trying to uh, work your way up not only the corporate or social ladder, but really define your place uh, as to who you are and, and, and the man that you're going to become. And if I remember one great thing from a sociology class that I had at the University of Georgia, it was this crazy experiment that people did uh, right after Henry Ford created uh, the whole automated line of, you know, we're going to instead of building a car, we're going to create this whole line of work where people are just doing one single repetitive task on a daily basis. And what they found through that is that people were inherently unhappy. Um, and I can tell you that when I was starting out and trying to find my way, you know, at the end of the day, I never really felt like I was contributing um, you know, you're just doing some sort of task and you, know, you go out with your buddies and drink some beers and have a good time of the weekend and then go back to a job that you really never, never found satisfying for me. Cooking became, um, an opportunity for me on a daily basis where I could conceptualize, execute and enjoy an entire experience where I went from an idea to completion within a 30 minute to an hour period. And I got to enjoy those results. And I think, a lot of young professionals or even folks that are immensely professional or successful for that matter might have a very long uh, payoff. And I think cooking kind of provides like a bit 
of an immediate satisfaction, not so immediate as you calling your uh, local takeout. But for me, I love that creativity behind it. And that's one of my big reasons uh, beyond just the self-sufficiency or the health reasons, but it's being able to kind of create in that sense. I can understand that sort of like an artistic angle for it. Absolutely. What about the health aspects? I mean, a lot of people eating healthy is not just a recent trend, but it's becoming a little bit trickier now that we know that everything is bad for you. And even things you think are good for you are made in ways that make it bad for you, et cetera. So cooking kind of lets you break it, literally break things down to their components and the ingredients and figure out what's going into it, right? Yeah, I mean, the health aspect is is one of the more interesting ones. And I think it's it's a bigger conversation for our our whole society at large. But um, I'll, I'll challenge you. What do you think a chef at a restaurant, what is their goal? Yeah, it's got to taste good. Exactly. Um, and in order for things to taste good, uh, we typically will up the content of a couple different items, and those would be fat and salt, right? We have these natural receptors where if it's like this gelatinous or good, comfortable feeling in the terms of fat, or it's the savory flavor. And then, of course, you also have the sugar side for your dessert side as well. Um, your local chef that you're calling down at the takeout place uh, even if you feel like you're making healthy choices, you know, the quinoa with the uh, pan seared salmon and roasted asparagus. Guess what? It's literally what I had for lunch. <laughs> Not even kidding. <laughs> it is literally cooked in water and butter and way too much salt, pan seared, finished with butter, roasted asparagus, finished with butter. And to be honest with you, Jordan, if you stood in my kitchen and I made it the same way that chef did, you'd be like, bro. I mean, are you, you're putting that much butter into it. And then you would taste it and you would say, man, that tastes just like the way I just got it. Um, I think if you knowingly knew what went into your food, even though you think it's healthy, if you knew what was transpiring in the back of the house, you would second guess, uh, that quick takeout call or the walk down to the restaurant. Yeah, you're probably right. I, I, when I watch people cook, Normally, I'm always surprised at the amount of things that go into it, especially when you're, you know, when I watch like my aunt cook, and she's like, <laughs> can you just add a little oil? And it's like a cup and a half of just pure oil. Uh, how necessary is that ingredient? And then she's, you know, you can't cook it without this. And it's just, it's, ugh. or sour cream. And it's like the whole containers in there. It's kind of gross. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, for certain uh, ingredients now, again, uh, being born and raised in the South, we, we certainly love to fry our chicken or fry a crawfish tail or two. But um, at the same time, I think there's been so much entertainment behind um, gluttony. You know, I mean, we, we talk about bacon. I mean, it's like uh, the male audience is enthralled by bacon. And to me, I mean, bacon's fantastic, right? Like I absolutely love bacon, but it's not the end all be all of all great foods. Um, and, and for me, I love to make uh, what I would consider more modern day substitutions. So you're talking about uh, olive oil or excuse me, oil um, in that manner. I think there's some really cool things transpiring. Uh, one of my dear, dear friends in South Georgia is actually manufacturing olive oil. It's the first time it's been manufactured in South Georgia since uh, it was first settled back in the 1600s. And he's creating kind of this healthy aspect to a lot of Southern cooking by incorporating local olive oil into foods that were traditionally fostered through peanut or soybean or anything else. Uh, you talk about sour cream. You know, in my latest book, one of the biggest substitutions that I make is protein rich Greek yogurt instead of a sour cream. Um, I think to a certain extent, I, I have found that younger generations have 
through awareness and probably uh, maybe a little bit more information have determined that maybe some of the things that grandma made, they tasted fantastic, but you could make some really quick substitutions and still wind up with a great flavor uh, without maybe the same health concerns. One of my favorite substitutions that you actually have in the book and that I use a lot is using cauliflower for potatoes. And I've been making cauliflower rice, which tastes just as good, and cauliflower mashed potato. And, and that kind of substitution, you almost don't even know the difference, but it's a thousand times more healthy for you. Man, that is, I was literally in Jekyll Island, um, which is just off the coast of Georgia. Uh, Southern Living, who I did the book with, invited me down there to do a whole chef series. And we did a guiltless, it's called a guiltless cauliflower puree. Um, like peeling potatoes and mashing potatoes, it's a pain in the ass. Uh, so when I was doing this book, I was actually like kind of making it more complicated because I was, I was looking at it from like a chef component. I was like, well, I got to roast cauliflower. I got to cut it off and steam it. And then one night, um, I was in a bind because I went to my local grocery store here and it wasn't a fancy whole foods or anything like that. It was literally like a Kroger on the side of the street and they had, they didn't have fresh cauliflower. So I bought frozen cauliflower. Right. Um, and like people would like in the chef world probably be like, Oh, he doesn't know what he's doing by using frozen ingredients. I brought it home, a couple of bags, steamed it, hit it with some Greek yogurt, little olive oil, salt and pepper, some Parmesan cheese, blended it up. And to this day, that's probably like one of the best recipes that people give feedback on. It's like, man, I'm eating mashed potatoes without the guilt. So I could not agree with you more. It's one of my favorite recipes uh, that you get that like carb rich flavor uh, without the carbs. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it pairs with everything just like potatoes. The, the consistency is even, even close to the same. We mentioned carbs. I'm actually going to do this on the air. I'm going to open another beer here. Go for it, man. Yeah, <laughs> we should be doing that. Yeah. I mean, the consistency is very much the same. And it, what I love is like, for me, that's a very simple solution for somebody that doesn't want to go through a whole lot of time to prepare maybe a side dish. So it might be uh, the guy that wants to make a great steak and he's maybe worried about that whole like baked potato or something along those lines. So very quickly you can buy something that there's no fuss to it. You just steam it up, put it in a blender. Uh, you don't have to add any butter or anything along those lines. Just hit it with some Greek yogurt, uh, extra virgin olive oil, which is a great fat, salt and pepper. Keep it simple, stupid. And within 10 minutes, you've got a fantastic side dish, but you're also getting like that overwhelming, like, man, this is fantastic. Uh, tastes just like what I crave, but I'm doing something a little bit more healthy. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. 
You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I want to go back a little bit and talk about Jordan's aversion to cooking. <laughs> he looks at it as a chore. I look at it as a an opportunity for socializing with my roommate, kind of a fun family night thing to do. You sit around, you have some wine, you put the ingredients together, you're making something, and when you're done, you share it together. And I started cooking about three and a half years ago because I felt like I was kind of ridiculous as a 40-year-old man who could barely make eggs in the morning. And, <laughs> and since then, I found, you know, really good friends who I learned from now who, who are actually really good cooks. And it's like always social. We always just sit around the kitchen, like talking to each other about different, different recipes, different techniques and things like that. And I found that the social aspect of it makes me really enjoy cooking. And I love doing it pretty much every day. You know, you made a point there. You said that you have some wine. If you come to my house in Nashville, Tennessee, you have a lot of wine uh, during that dinner. So uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think one of my my biggest goals within you know my career as, as a writer and as a cook is to invite more people, even though you might not physically be in my home, to have a seat at my family table. And here at our family table, um, cooking and sitting around and dining with others provides us a chance to interact, to learn, to share, and to really live life. And I can tell you guys, I've had some of my most joyous moments um, sitting at my kitchen table here at home. It's, it's moments where we share uh, people falling in love, people telling us about new life that they're bringing in the world. 
And at the same time, I, I probably had some of the most difficult moments where I, I've seen friends that are, you know, going through uh, some some really tough troubles in, in their marriage or their relationships, going through divorces, uh, dealing with, uh, you know, the death of a loved one. And and really, it's it's the food, which is the commonality that kind of brings everyone together. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that cooking, uh, if we're looking at how do we improve our lives, how do we become better men? I believe that cooking offers you a chance to become more hospitable, uh, which I think is one of the South's greatest uh, attributes. And, and one of the things that my mama always taught me is she taught me how to charm and cook. So that goes pretty well along with uh, your podcast today. But it offers a chance to be to be more generous. I couldn't agree more. And having a dinner party and you cook the food and people just like having a great time, having some drinks. It is one of the like the single most satisfaction inducing activities I think anybody can do. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, you know, one of the things that I think is always funny um, is also about the the romance department, <laughs> you know, in addition to enhancing, um, you know, your personal relationships and, and your friendship and your community. Uh, to me, my first book was called Have Her Ever for Dinner. And it wasn't so much about um, teaching guys how to get laid. I mean, obviously, if that happens and you meet me, you owe me a beer. But more importantly, it was teaching guys that cooking should be a skill that if you're going to have somebody over, maybe not the first date, because that could be pretty creepy, inviting a girl to your house uh, for a home cooked meal, depending on how that transpires. But that being said, I think it's a skill set that you should have. And Jordan, I'm not going to pick on you, man, but if you cooked a blue apron meal to perfection, I think that's fantastic. You're still, you're still winning like ultimate brownie points. Um, but for me, like when I met my wife, that was what, like probably third date. Um, I invited her over, made a very simple meal. And it was just kind of that little expression that was like, hey, I'm going to take a little bit of time to go out and source ingredients to prepare something and enjoy it for you. And it came off so much better than saying, I'm going to buy a bottle of wine and call the local Italian place and get some lasagna and a salad. Uh, just putting forth that effort is something that we can do on a daily basis uh, to help foster relationships and romance. You, know, you could have just called the Italian place before she got there and put everything <laughs> in your dinnerware and been like, I'm just finishing up and pull the lasagna out of the oven, let it cool off a little bit, shake the salad around in a bowl and be like, what do you think? Dude, been there, done that. <laughs> seriously, the fact that you bring that up, I've never told this story, but um, a buddy of mine who is now a Navy SEAL in college on Valentine's Day, I was single at the time, and no joke, he invited me over. I cooked a full meal for his girlfriend and like jumped out of a two story window when she came 10 minutes early. And he pulled the whole thing off. And he's still, even though he's defending our country, he still owes me a few favors. Yeah, <laughs> right. You're like, I got a sprain. I got an ankle that's never going <laughs> to be quite the same because of that meal. Yeah, absolutely. That's funny. Yeah, I, I like the idea of of having this be a, a skill in your back pocket because I, I feel like any skill that you build helps you trust yourself and create a little bit more confidence. And this is one where it's it's hard to get hurt. You might burn yourself or slice a finger here and there, but you're not going to jump out of the airplane literally and then, you know, never, and that's the end. This isn't like 
you don't have to buy a gun and get good with it. You don't have to. There's a lot of things you can do that that build skill sets where you can trust yourself and feel competent that are more expensive than cooking or more dangerous. And so this seems like a pretty safe place to start. And it's something that you'll actually use all the time, unlike your, you know, black belt in jujitsu or whatever. <laughs> uh, it's creepy that you said that whole thing about like crashing an airplane. I'm taking my pilot's exam tomorrow. So hopefully that's not a bad omen yeah, for that. That's, that's, um, uh, yeah. You know, that being said, I think you hit on a really good point. Um, you know, if you're going to go out and cook, I think where most people get burned, um, literally. You mentioned, well, yeah, well, literally you cut your hands, you get cut every, everywhere in between, uh, hopefully not on national television, although it's happened a time or two. Um, you mentioned earlier that cooking is a time suck, right? And that's what like prevents a lot of people from getting into it. I also find that when I talk to, uh, everyday guys that may not cook a whole lot, you know, they've been, at one point encouraged to go out and cook a meal and let's go with the lasagna mentality. And let's say that they get it from the Ed Hardy chef, Guy Fieri. Uh, if you go out and, and look at his recipe, you're going to find 25 different ingredients, uh, probably 10 of which are very hard to source. And by the time you buy all those ingredients, you spend $120 because it's the ultimate lasagna. And if you cook it and it works or it doesn't work, uh, by the time you spend the time, energy, ingredients, you're like, you know what, man? Like, I, I should have just like gotten it as takeout and I would have enjoyed this process. So I think a lot of folks get burned early on or it doesn't turn out how they want it to turn out. And I will say this, uh, cooking is something that is a bit of a learning curve. You know, it's something that uh, if you follow a recipe to a T, hopefully it's going to transpire. That's why we test all of our recipes when we write books. But at the same time, it, it is something that you're going to learn over time. And it's something that you can take pride in. And I think that's like a, um, a great quality. When I was writing this new book, A Southern Gentleman's Kitchen, one of the qualities I defined as a Southern gentleman is having intellectual curiosity. It's always trying to find something that you have like a an insatiable thirst for knowledge. You're trying to find the next thing. Uh, what is something else that can further me in my career, within my personal relationships, within my romantic relationships and everything else? And to me, cooking... Uh, you know, for me, I'm, I'm digging into like Asian cuisine. It's never really been something that's been a forte of mine. So I'm burning dishes. I'm messing ingredients up. I'm combining the wrong things. But over time, I will slowly gain an aptitude. And there's a lot of enjoyment for me uh, through that learning curve. So I, I agree with you 100% that it's not something you're going to perfect on the first day. But if you have a little bit of patience, it is something that will really reward you for the rest of your life. So we're all right. So if we're going to start cooking and I and I, I mean, maybe the royal we are just we <laughs> as a group, if we're going to get started cooking, where do we begin with it? Oh, that's great. Um, you know, I think you have to have a trusted source of uh, recipes and I, I'm not trying to give like a, a plug here. But for me, the, the mentality of kiss, keep it simple, stupid is so, so important when you're getting into the kitchen. Um, I would rather you focus on turning a few quality ingredients into a great meal rather than trying to make a whole lot of ingredients make a great meal. Um, so one of my first things that I really love to start out with is teaching guys how to actually properly scramble eggs. Do you guys scramble eggs? No. Surprise. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Walk me through your process. I put them in a bowl. I put some salt and pepper in them and I scramble them. With a whisk? Then I put them in the pan. Actually, I, I found chopsticks work best. Chopsticks. All right. That's interesting. Um, so on a weekday over high heat, that's a fantastic. You're going to do like a really hot and fast scrambled egg. 
when you have a Saturday morning to actually spend a little bit of time, my recommendation is literally four ingredients, uh, eggs, salt, pepper, and a knob of butter. And I want you to cook it over low heat. Uh, and when I say that, it can be in a nonstick pan or anything like that. But I want you to keep it constantly moving over basically the lowest heat that you can. And if, if there's some chefs out there like cooking a risotto to a certain extent, you basically just want to create a soft scrambled egg. Um, and the first time you ever have that, it's going to change your whole life when it comes to what a scrambled egg should taste like. It's not going to be this like dense piece of matter that's like overcooked and everything else. Um, and my friends, it's one of my like go-to dishes that I always impressed with them on a Sunday brunch with several Bloody Marys, but it's literally just over a low flame, a knob of butter, scramble a couple of eggs together. Like you said, with your whisk or your chopsticks, if you want to get fancy salt and pepper and cook it until they just come together. And if you want to finish it off and not think about being healthy, just give it a splash of heavy cream and there you got it. It sounds pretty delicious. <laughs> All right, so I got a little bit of a challenge. Actually, it's twofold, but for those that really don't want to actually turn on the stove, um, but want to create this whole social experiment that we talked about earlier of having your friends over, good good glass of wine, um, and enjoying like the camaraderie that happens around a table where you've prepared some sort of a meal, you can actually prepare a great meal without ever actually starting the microwave or the stove or anything else. Um, and that is through like a, a fantastic like charcuterie or cheese or fruit plate. So go to uh, your local butcher or your local store. It doesn't have to be a whole foods or anything fancy, but you can go in and choose a couple different slices uh, or cuts of what I could consider cured meats, like a sopressata or a capicola or a salami. And I usually favor about, um, I don't know, two tenths of a pound per person per cut that you're using and then balance it out with some, some cheeses as well, like a nice brie, a pungent blue cheese, a really well-aged cheddar, and just arrange that on a board with some grapes or anything else and pour heavy pours of wine, which I always encourage in my kitchen. But you'll find that you're basically just arranging a meal. You're not so much cooking one. But allow that to kind of be your introduction to maybe inviting people into your own home. Uh, everything's going to taste fantastic because you haven't maybe had the, the opportunity to cook it. But you'll, you'll kind of start to notice that with not a whole lot of work, you've fostered an, an atmosphere and an environment uh, where people come into your home and hopefully have those conversations and create those moments. And that might be your introduction to hopefully take it to the next level to actually start cooking and preparing a full meal. Great. So is there uh, anything else you want to leave us with? Uh, I'm going to leave you. I know we said no Rachel Ray, but I'm going to leave you with the perfect sauce. Let's do it. All right. So we talk nowadays about like health and gluten free and all these different things, dairy free and everything else. But um, for me, the perfect combination allows you to comp uh, accomplish several different things. It's basically making a vinaigrette, which is a dressing for a salad, which is uh, a one part acidity to three parts oil. And hopefully you guys can maybe link this out on the site after the podcast today. But this is something that I do all the time. If I'm grilling steak, if I'm doing like chicken or pork, uh, maybe like a hearty cut of fish, like a shark or a halibut, even for the vegetarians, like a portobello mushroom, excuse me, one part uh, extra virgin olive oil to a third of a part red wine vinegar. And then you season it up with salt and pepper, some fresh uh, minced garlic, and then any fresh herbs you have lying around. You could do about a cup of, of parsley, a quarter cup of basil, some thyme, oregano, anything along, those, anything along those lines will turn out a fantastic kind of dressing for grilled proteins, 
a dressing for a salad, a dressing for vegetables. It's kind of the end all be all that really sets anything that you've done over the top. Thank you very, very much. We're going to link to your book, of course, in the show notes and uh, maybe put your Facebook and Twitter up there so people can bug you about how to cook eggs. <laughs> well, I hope that you're going to make eggs tomorrow morning. We'll see. We'll see. Probably not. I don't eat breakfast, but uh, thanks so much, man. You should start eating breakfast. That's the, that's the key to a, uh, a healthy lifestyle. Uh, you know, so many people say differently, though. You know, there's like, don't eat breakfast, then there's only eat breakfast, and there's don't eat lunch. I don't know. It's hard to I say. Think, I think we need to look back to what like our great-grandparents did, you know, and uh, maybe focus on the simplicity. They all died young of heart problems. I'm not sure about that. All right. <laughs> and they had different ingredients. Going back to your earlier comment, they had stuff that was, you know, was farm raised because they didn't have like mechanical eggs. Yeah, I joke around all the time about like uh, cooking off the uh, off the land and all that stuff. That's what we've always done in the South, man. We've never known any different. So my grandmother lived to 101. So I'm hopefully betting on that longevity on my side. There you go, man. Thanks so much. I appreciate it, guys. Take care, Matt. Show. Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling your own fire merch or promoting your productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort Thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, as well as millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. And AJ, you don't have to just sell your stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from the brands that you love, giving your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no-excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. Feedback and guest suggestions. The show's a fanarchy. It's run by you. We rely on you to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let us know. Guests at theartofcharm.com. And if you enjoyed this one, don't forget to thank Matt on Twitter. We'll have that linked in the show notes as well as his book and other resources mentioned here. You can also tap the album art in most mobile podcast players to see the show notes right on your phone. I also post a lot on Twitter, stuff that never makes it to the show. I'm at the art of charm on Twitter. 
boot camp live program details also at theartofcharm.com. Remember, we're sold out in advance, so get in touch, get deets, plan ahead. Remember to subscribe on iTunes and write us a nice review. We'll love you forever, and it helps us stand out from the other shows and help people get the credible advice they need, especially in this case with respect to cooking somehow. Special thanks to the Jasons for their help in production of the Art of Charm podcast. Tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else either in person or shared on the web. Now have a great week and leave everything and everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com. 